Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. Today's guest is Galway singer-songwriter Owen Dolan, who recently released his fourth album, Mirror Liver. Or it's his fifth, depending on whether you consider a compilation album released last year as a full record. He's also released a host of EPs over the year as well, all of which are available on owendolan.bandcamp.com. Let's take a listen to one of the tracks off Mirror Liver. This is called I Have Got It Wrong Again. Liver is, like a lot of Owen's previous work, based on a concept. Of the second track, Amulet of Love, which you can hear in full at the end of our chat, he says it tells the story of a community of early farmers who lived off the land approximately 3,000 years ago. It is a message celebrating our timeless and important relationship with the natural world. You'd be unsurprised to hear that Owen is a big fan of history. There are also songs on the album sung in the Irish language. He's inspired by super furry animals and in some ways by the recent resurgence in Irish trad music. He has some interesting points about that near the end of our conversation. It's a great interview. <coughs> Touching on the good, bad and ugly of being an artist in Galway. I haven't had many of them on the podcast I realised during the conversation. We talk about the lack of spaces for artists to practice in his meditation practice, which sounds fascinating, and then the ideas behind Mirror Liver itself. It was recorded, mixed, and produced by Owen Dolan, and the accompanying musicians are Connor DC on keyboards, James Casserly on drums, Adam Sheeran on bass, and Kieran O'Brien on synthesizer. This is Owen Dolan on the Point of Everything podcast. So you're just back from a UK tour. How did you get on? It was great. It was a very uh, surreal experience to be playing live again after such a long break, but also as well to be in, you know, an environment where obviously the COVID restrictions are a lot different over in the UK. So that was a bit of a shock to the system. But yeah, it was it was a great experience to be able to play in front of people again and um, be able to enjoy meeting, making new friends with bands and different people that you meet along the road. So that was great. 
a lot a long old week i'm guessing yeah it was it was a lot of driving um that's like the main thing just getting used to the driving over the uk with the four lanes or whatever going into manchester or leeds these places and um yeah it's a lot of that and then when you're trying to do like i don't have any management or pr or anything like that so trying to do all these things myself and i'm lucky enough to have a great group of lads that i play with in the band connor adam and james great to have them there to look, do the google maps and you know help, help with that kind of side of things because it's a lot like there is an awful lot that goes into it and essentially as most people know you're only playing for whatever it is like 40 minutes or you know in an evening and then the rest of it's just driving around or waiting somewhere when you're a diy artist like that when you're kind of doing it yourself how do you go about booking even just a uk tour is it you have friends in these cities that you played like in wales and leeds manchester liverpool or is it just just googling and being like clicking on a venue like oh i've heard of this place and seeing if they have a date yeah it's a bit of both i mean i'm fortunate enough to have really good friends over in um, liverpool that play in this band called sheepy through the years they've been really 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 good with getting gigs and helping out with accommodation all those really practical things as well so but then, yeah, no, it's when you don't have a booker, you're just up after work or whatever it is and you're Googling places, maybe contacting other artists as well to kind of see, you know, do, you, do they know of any good venues? And it's a lot of it's just word of mouth as well. I think when you're approaching it that way, you, you have to take the approach that you're going to get a lot, of, a lot of people that will, you know, won't get back to you or that they won't, uh, they won't, they, like, I was actually shocked because there was a lot of places that were saying, oh, we're booked up four months in advance or something. This was booking during the summer. And I was like, I couldn't believe that people were thinking that far ahead because that would have been back, say, the depths of lockdown or whatever. The last thing I was thinking of was booking. I was just kind of getting through day to day. I wasn't really thinking too much about booking tours or anything. But that that's just the nature of it that you, it's there's no real it's 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 not going to be organized and everything there put on a plate for you You have to go out and just email in places and sometimes send in one or two extra emails as well there you know if they're you know to see if they'll get back to you but that's just the nature of it i guess that that's kind of it though it feels like there's this big backlog both of albums being released and big artists going on tour and maybe that's even it at the kind of the the smaller scale of it too bands were you know desperate to get back out touring and so they were booking up all of these dates like long ago and like eyeing them up i mean i'm guessing that's what it's going to be like for the next year particularly with big bands yeah there's just there's so many artists in ireland and in uk alone you know never mind further field um just and the the, the talent like the level of uh, like it just seems to be like every week I'm picking up a new album like you had Hey Rusty on the the podcast there a while back and just like his album, amazing album and it's just the quality of stuff is really really high there's a very limited amount of places that you can actually play and when you even look at a place that you can play there's you have to you narrow it down again that the places that are actually people running them that are sound and that they 
genuinely want to support independent artists that they will you know look after you properly and that, and that it's not going to be something where they feel that they're doing you a massive favor so I mean it's great on the one hand you're kind of saying it's brilliant and as someone that has a music fan or whatever you know you're kind of like these all these brilliant albums and it's great stuff happening but then the resources that are actually there on the ground are very very little I mean even in Galway at the minute we don't even have a rehearsal space that we can use so there wasn't even even that that you could, to, could rely on it was um that's really, really tough when you're trying to prepare for a few gigs, you know, you don't even have a place to practice. So, and I would say that would be the case just in a lot of places around Ireland that the basic resources aren't there. I look at it as, you know, the equivalent of people playing soccer or football, you know, it's, you have the afterturf pitches and, you know, that could be for somebody that just wants to go for a kickabout or, you know, somebody that is maybe training for tournaments or, playing at a higher level and I think that's the same for music it's like people have different motivations for wanting to go out gigging some people you know they want to um have play series of shows and tour and put out albums and but then there's other people they just they want to do it just for a one-off maybe or whatever it may be and you know we don't even at that level the infrastructure from isn't there and you know it was fantastic all these grants that came out to support artists for um after you know for getting back playing live but i think some of that money or at least maybe there should be another pot of money that should be put into putting into proper infrastructure in cities and towns around ireland because i think if you know those kind of practical things were in place that that would would benefit people um, into the long long you know there'll be a lot more long term benefits to it. Yeah, I I saw that you were was it crowdfunding you were doing or was it just kind of a, a petition that you were doing for a rehearsal space in Galway? Did you get fire with it? Yeah, we did. We did a petition. So there was myself and a few friends that got together. Um, I suppose was just very concerned. At, we're we're a city that's known for the arts and for culture and. I just, you know, it just kind of came to a head. There was a place in Galway called The Forge that was a rehearsal space for many years in the city centre. It was great. That unfortunately closed and was just this big vacuum that opened up. I went to the city council and tried to to see, you know, because we have, there is like these public spaces that are there owned by the council. I was trying to see, is there possible to have these opened up that we can set up a PA and is there somebody there to you know, help us get insurance and the rest of it. But it, it just, it kind of didn't really, I was kind of been bounced around between a few different people. So then I was suggested by somebody you should start a petition. And then from there, we, we did a pilot project over the summer for a rehearsal space in um, in the city centre with the art centre, who were really good and really supportive of it. But um, yeah, it's still, we're still, uh, we still haven't got a dedicated space yet. It's really shocking, really, because we have so much, so many talented bands and musicians, young musicians in in Galway, that deserve the support, and they're not getting it. You know, they and that's. I was looking at it not necessarily from a, a thing of a commercial sense, you know, music being a commercial thing or a career point of view or anything like that. 
It's more just a well-being, health and well-being perspective, you know, that for people from all walks of life, whether you're in a direct provision centre where you have, you know, you're in a, in a, a dorm with 20 other people or whatever it may be that, you know, to have like, or to somebody living in a flat or whatever in town or whatever it may be, that you somewhere that you go in, that you can create music and that's, there's not necessarily any expectation of what you should be doing or what you should be achieving. It's just something there in the same way, as I said, that you can go and, um, you know, they have like exercise equipment in parks now or astroturf pitches. It's the same thing. And I was really trying to use that angle because everybody talks about like mental health, mental health, need to do something about mental health. This is like so much research and studies have been done on the benefits of playing music and, play music with other people and how important that is but it's like in Galway particularly it's kind of the model for the arts is set up is that the locals are there as spectators you know um uh, rather than and people that are actively involved at a community level in creating the art it's seen as we're kind of there like just on the outside of things to be entertained by you know whoever's coming into town which is it's great don't get me wrong it's great to have big theater productions or whatever that come in or big music productions that come in from outside that's very important too but with all the money that's generated in the arts or you know that there should be some money put aside to the grassroots the very kind of basic day-to-day things but yeah i know we're still we're still looking to get a, a permanent space but hopefully we'll have some good news on it soon yeah, like w- when you mentioned there, Galway is a city known for its arts and culture. Like I, I couldn't help but smirking just thinking of the Galway. Um, was it the City of Culture? Isn't that what it's called? That was in 2020 that turned into a bit of uh, it, it didn't go well, I don't think, uh, from a lot of different strands. But um, it is. It's a great city to be in and to walk around it it feels different to the other cities of Ireland too just the way that like you've got all of these buskers who are like playing around and stuff and I suppose it is I guess it's kind of known as a kind of a city for tourists is is that an unfair thing to say about it no not at all well I, I think it's a city of merchants traditionally you know in Galway it was built on trade with you know as far afield as Spain it was always um, looked upon in that way, you know, even with, with the arts and the growth of like, the arts festival, that, that was, that's always been looked in through a commercial lens. Even though there was a lot of community engagement work that was done in the 90s, particularly, you know, around engaging with marginalised groups, I suppose, in, in Galway. And, and, and for everybody, it was a very inclusive atmosphere around that time. But um, I think it's moved more towards like, yeah, set up for with in a lot of cities, unfortunately, now a lot of Airbnbs and the people come for a few pints and go see a gig or whatever, maybe. And they're like, oh, I've seen a busker, tick the box, and that's it. But we've, we've some fantastic, like we've New Dad, I don't know if you know New Dad, they're a fantastic young band that are touring, doing sellout tours over in the UK to really um, obscure artists that are just making electronic music and lots of different stuff so it never really gets celebrated or um it's not something that is um highlighted or or kind of given value unfortunately 
from my experience, it's it's very much an afterthought because it's kind of saying, well, we have we have all these festivals happening. Of course, we're a cultural city, but then you're kind of turning around and saying, well, what about for the people that are living here all year round? What's there for them? You know, for people that are in Ballyban or Nakdakar or wherever are living out in the suburbs is, you know, it's not something that is um, is prioritised at all. You know, they're kind of saying, well, we've got like sports facilities or whatever put in but it's ready for the arts it's actually not there and the whole model that they've they've created around this as i said is just that you you get people in to go in and do a few shows of the summer and get the bars busy and the hotels busy and then everybody's happy so to speak in a very common now and then whereas the genesis of all the arts movement in going why it became known as art city was because it's you know it had a community focus to uh, the festivals like it was there was a lot of engagement happening genuine community engagement that was happening and um, with everybody and um, people felt included whereas now um, unfortunately I don't feel as somebody I don't feel included so I can't imagine what it's like for younger people now kind of coming up how they kind of feel on it because um, yeah, it's just it's just a bit of um, you know the Wizard of Oz or something like that at times. You know, it just feels you know. But but we're trying. I mean, we are. There's a lot of people there trying to change it, and um, people working in on different projects, but on different nights. We have a few new music nights that are you know um, popping up. That's great, and it's important that I suppose for Galwegians as well that we support that as well locally because you can complain about things all day but you need we need to support each other as well and need to do these things for ourselves otherwise nobody else is going to do it for us so yeah it's it's so easy to complain but it's actually about like doing something about it that's the important thing but it's it definitely sounds like you're you're doing that um and by the way when i say that like galway feels like a city for tourists like i guess it's a bit of a criticism but i i also love the place you know every time that i go like i've got a couple of friends who are living there as well always have a great time yeah it's it's that's the flip side it is very important and like we're very proud to have a very multicultural uh you know combined with i suppose a lot of irish language speakers in galway and there's a lovely blend mix of of uh different like my my partner she's from switzerland and my sister-in-law is german and i've like friends from all over the world like and it's great to have that and i think that wouldn't have come about if it wasn't for, you know, it is people that usually come in as, as you know, foreign language uh, students learning English or tourists, they say, or whoever. And all that side of things is, um, you know, that, that has to be taken into account as well. And, and yeah, and, and a very practical thing as well. There's not, you know, there, there isn't much industry in Galway, you know, that we have a few factories and different things, but we are very reliant on, on tourism, the hospitality sector to employ you know, particularly like young people, you know, so there is another side to it as well, you know, but I think there's a balance there that can be met between the two. Yeah. Um, and we won't even mention the traffic in Galway. If they haven't, oh, been, if they haven't <laughs> been able to solve that, like they're not going to solve anything else. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Every time that I hear that someone has been to Galway, I'm like, you know, how long were you waiting in traffic? It's crazy that um, the bikes haven't taken off there, for example. I know that there's the bike scheme, but it seems like very few people use it. The roads are very narrow. Like a lot of them, they're just medieval 
you know, streets for like a horse and cart. They're not built for SUVs or all these like massive, you know, there's just, there's too many, like the population as well has grown so much. And unfortunately, a lot of, we're only starting to catch up now with the infrastructure and resources and different things. So yeah, it'll take a while. And I'm not, you know, that we have to look at, we have to look at, you're right, with bikes and uh, public transport and, you know, because there's this big move to build a, a bypass. And there is one politician that was his his uh, most recent uh, camp or his campaign slogan was build a bypass. Now, you know, that was everywhere all over Guy. And, uh, you know, and I, I can, you know, take this point. You have to kind of look as well at situation with public transport and the other side to it as well, actually, with the traffic. Why is because there's a lot of people that can't afford to live in Galway. A lot of um, Galwegians are living in Athenry and other places out the east of Galway and other kind of commuter areas and that they're traveling in. It's just, you know, in, in, it's ridiculous. Even where I'm living, there's lots of Airbnb accommodation with nobody in them. And then you have these families that are, are living out, nothing wrong with Lockray or Athenry or anything like that, but they, they're, they have their work or their school or whatever in town. So everybody's traveling in. So you have that and then you have tourists and everything coming in. So it's, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, we'll stick to the music. We'll stick to the music. Um, <laughs> j- just because you talk about there not being a rehearsal space in Galway, like what happens? Where, like, where are you practicing? Well, I was fortunate enough to use, there was a community space that came available to contact and work that I was able to use, but that was just just with insurance and different things. I was just able to use that with myself and a few friends, but it wasn't necessarily open to the public. So I was able to use that for a while. But previous to that, I was practicing in in the apartment, in a small like apartment that I'm in. You know, that has a lot of challenges to it, obviously, that you're you can't turn up your guitars very loud. You don't have a PA, you don't have a drum kit. Um it's yeah it's crazy particularly for this tour this uk tour is like if we didn't have that particular contact then you know i don't know what we would have done when i was younger we used to use as a scout den in renmore a group in renmore and um myself and my friends used to go across the pitch and be able to we were given the keys ripped to use that which was brilliant because we were all in just normal like a state house or whatever we have like neighbors either side so um, and the situation I'm in now, it's a lovely area and restaurant, but it's like a two-bedroom flat, so yeah, you're not going to be able to make much noise. It's ridiculous, really, you know, and there's just so much money that's been put into festivals and different things in Galway, and yet we don't have a basic community like this. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, well, we'll try and stay positive, maybe, for, for the rest of it, even though it's like, it's so frustrating. But um, you, you are here talking about your new album, Mary Liver. I think it's your fourth album, your fifth, if you include a greatest hits that you released last year. How, how are you feeling about the new album? Feeling good. Um, yeah, it was really enjoyable putting it together. And it was, um, had a bit more time, I think, than the other records um, to really delve into making it as good as I, as I could. Yeah, I was kind of happy with how it came out in the end. Yeah, no, 
happy with it. I, yeah, I don't know. It's, that's fine. Know. That's fine. It's good to be. It's good to be happy about what you've created. So congratulations with it. Uh, it's funny that you say that you have more time with it. You've released four, al- like the four albums have come out pretty much every year. Is that something that you're aiming towards? That something in your head that you want to release an album re- a year, or is it just the way that it's happened? Well, a number of years ago, so I was, I've been playing music for a good while, and um, I was fortunate enough to do a music technology course in Pulse College, this Wimble Lane Studios in Dublin, a number of years back. And it was tough because I was, I was working and I was commuting up and down to Dublin at the time on the, the Go Bus or whatever. I don't think I would have been able to do it without having that service there. It was, it was great at the time. It was a real eye-opener, that whole experience, because for the first time, I was seeing it from the other side. I was seeing like these bands come in or whatever because you're on, um, you know, as a student, you can bring in bands from outside and it's like they can record something and you mix it or whatever for them or record it. That was really interesting because I've seen the dynamic of how a band worked or how an artist worked. It's like, geez, some of the things that you'd see, like, geez, am I like that? It kind of came at the time as well that I started, I did a meditation course Passing the meditation and SN Goenka's meditation course in it was like a 10 day uh, silent meditation thing that I learned this meditation practice uh, practice that's all based around like insight meditation and those two things combined I think they were a good combination because I kind of started seeing one of the realizations from it was you know maybe I'm a bit of an idiot when it comes to music and how I'm maybe approaching things and number two there's actually finite amount of time that you have for doing things in life in general you know so including making music so I kind of I was able to look at things a lot more objectively and I think I before I was getting caught up so much what other people thought about the music I was making and trying to pander to other people and blaming other people uh, when things didn't go the way I wanted and really kind of immature kind of thinking and very ignorant kind of thinking Whereas kind of slowly came to the realization that like all this was on, on me essentially. And I have so much now with the technology that's there, you can be so creative and do something because you love it and you enjoy it. That's really how I approached it. It was like, I had the skills there that I I learned from the course. And I started off with an EP, Placid Ocean. And I just built on that. And I don't know, I just got into my head then. I was like, well, I have time in the evening that I can do and I can record a lot of stuff at home. So I just started adding on to that and um, had an album. And then I was like, okay, now I know how to do an album. And again, I had a great great group of friends around me that played on it as well. And, um, you know, just started learning bits and pieces and then kind of slowly started, you know, it's a healthy addiction, you know, whatever, and you... You want to keep coming back to it and do the next record, next record, and just came naturally. It's still difficult at times. You'd be like, oh my God, why have I taken this on again? I could be learning, uh, I don't know, origami or doing something a bit, I don't know, a bit different. But I, as I said, no, I'll, I'll keep doing this. And it was something, you know, overall that you really really enjoying it still enjoy doing it and get that sense of accomplishment at the end of it I don't know I I, like I don't know why how it ended up started doing it but I just said I'll just kind of keep doing it because I just felt I was learning 
that, that learning by doing and that learning by practice. That was another part of the time with the meditation. It was all about experiential practice. Like the more you practice meditation, same as like jogging. You know, if you go jogging every day, you're obviously going to get some kind of benefit to it as opposed to just talking about jogging. So the same with playing music or meditating, whatever you're doing in life that you find enjoyable, you know, it's, it's, it's through continuous practice with it. So I was actually learning new recording techniques and, you know, because before I was, my mindset around it was very much, as I said, blaming other people. I saw the engineer didn't do a good job on that or looking back at the songs, great or whatever it was, or my singing was, wasn't up to scratch or, and I was very subjective in my thinking. I was very like, very negative. And whereas I think through the years, I've just learned to be a lot more objective and more constructive, more positive. And that creates a healthier atmosphere for everybody as well. So the other people that are playing on the record, that it's good fun and it's enjoyable. And when you're in that headspace, you're going to be more creative and you're, you're, ultimately going to get better results from it i see other people around there look at it and it's and i can conceive myself and and sometimes yeah you're only human that you're going to be thinking you you, you let a, maybe part of your ego or whatever kind of take over with it and you're kind of thinking oh you feel like you should be getting this or that or whatever which is just ridiculous feel like that maybe yeah you, you, the the jealousy or whatever can come into play but think yeah it's kind of just through the years you kind of like learn maybe a healthy approach to doing things because if you have a healthier approach it's ultimately going to be a lot more sustainable i've seen a lot of people create music and they're like they just stop doing it and they come very bitter and resentful around it and and then when you kind of inquire a bit around it it's because maybe the practice around it was very unhealthy their approach to it was very um Maybe the motivations for making it in the first place was kind of a bit, um, maybe a bit misguided or I don't know. So, so like without naming any names or anything like that, is that kind of what you were seeing when you were doing that course in Windmill Lane, the, the bands that were coming in, you could kind of see yourself reflected in them? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I mean, just even the dynamic within a band, you know, because bands are groups of people people do things for have, might have different motivations within the same group for doing a particular thing. There's some people playing their music because they're just doing it for the crack and they're hanging out with their friends. Then someone else is looking at it because they want to express themselves artistically and they have a very kind of deep motivation for doing what they're doing. Then another person will be like, they're doing it because they maybe want to go tour and I want to go travel and have that sort of thing. So, and even then, with with regards taste and what they want to get out of it, and you know, you'd have a band come in. One, okay, cool. what's your sound? What's the vibe of this? And then one person would be like, oh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. And then another person would be like, I don't know, Kings of Leon. Another person, Bob Dylan, or whatever. Like, oh my god, this is going to be <laughs> going to be difficult to kind of capture. And you know, and then they're kind of you just see how people are interacting with each other. You know, it's kind of very. Um, yeah, not very kind of constructive. And again, I can empathize with it because it's not the way, the reason why they're maybe acting like that is because they're feeling the pressure and they're feeling this thing. It's like, oh, we're in Wilma Lane. We have to have something like amazing at the end. If we don't, it's going to be, you know, at the end of the world. And what are people going to think of us? You know, in a lot of cases, just 
there's probably something happening before they actually got to the studio. You need to take maybe a couple of steps back even before that. I kind of see maybe simplify things a bit more. Maybe kind of have a think about what they're, what it is that they're trying to do or what, you know. Um, but then there's another side to it as well. It's like sometimes uh, sometimes you just need to kind of go through that as well and just kind of have that experience because I've been in that situation, as I said, as well, where you kind of go and you kind of learn, okay, maybe we weren't communicating well on certain things or a lot of the, the, the things are very kind of simple changes that you can make to make everything a lot easier for everybody. But sometimes that a lot of things go unsaid and things happen over time and then you're at the situation. And the studio is like a microscope, you know. Everything that you do is going to be blown up tenfold. So you're kind of, if you make a mistake, or if you do something, or if there's something not quite right, then that will be very become very clear and apparent to everybody that's there. Then again, you see, you see the other side as well I've seen with bands and artists that come in there and that, you know, you learn so much from them, how they communicate with each other, how they are. They're just their whole approach to creating music. is really kind of healthy and you kind of, okay, well, I might pick up a few kind of tips there and bring that into the next project that I'm doing. That's a problem. Because in Ireland, like I said, we have there's so much, so many talented artists Everybody at times is kind of, we're all, whether it's the different blogs that are out there or whatever, you know, there's, there's only a small amount of people on that side of the, the fence that are actually maybe that are able to offer a bit of exposure or be able to give something a plug or whatever. So there's this kind of like frantic energy at times that can take over people and and that can start way back even the recording process. They're like, oh, everything has to be perfect. It's not perfect you know then it's like world ending kind of stuff so um yeah yeah i I guess the thing is is that like as you mentioned earlier the way that things have gotten so much easier to record and make music you know like recording in your bedroom or whatever and then like the likes of bim or, or other colleges as well like you've got these such smart artists and bands who are making really really great music but then on the other side you've just got a dwindling amount of outlets radio shows um everything associated with that so it does kind of almost become a scramble to be heard like the amount of good music that must be going completely unnoticed by you know so many people i'd say it's just such a, a high level of stuff um so it can be kind of disappointing from that respect but again that just comes back to you know cribbing about like oh there needs to be more irish music on the radio and and all of that stuff but but anyway but anyway um you, you sound quite zen about things i'm guessing that this goes back to the meditation course that you did 10 days of silent meditation was it like n- nothing spoken for 10 days no nothing spoken uh, for 10 days um it's a difficult thing to talk about because there's actually nothing really that happens for a lot for a lot of it but it's it's I don't know if you know from Weezer Rivers Guomo. He um he did he did the the course as well, a number a good number of years back, and it's quite a Spartan kind of setup. There's, there's very little uh, frills to the setup. You know, it's it's all it's run by volunteers. It's free. You can give a donation if you want at the end. It's I suppose derived from the practice is quite like. Um, a kind of more like secular kind of form of Buddhism, I suppose, for one of a better way of describing it. But um, 
and um, yeah, it's it, it's helped. It continues to help me an awful lot in my life, and um, it's definitely changed my life for the better. Because I think difficult things in the world to deal with, you know, from you know day to day things to dealing with grief to you know the so it's like helps an awful lot in so many different ways. Um, and yeah, it's I'd encourage any anybody you know to to do the course or or any you know any kind of practice like that that helps it's like an exercise as i said like going for a jog or whatever it's learning a skill and that meditation skill it's good because it's not there's a lot of snake oil salespeople at the minute you know that are peddling certain mental health or mindful kind of practices that you know at times i think can be a bit misleading you know in it because and a lot of them because that they're looking for these kind of like financial returns as well from them can be yeah can be can do a lot of harm as well as you know i think yeah maybe find find a practice that it works for you or whatever because everybody's different as well as different things but like certainly for me i found that with sn guenka's vipassana it's it's um it's tough it is very tough i will say that because you can't bring a books in or listen to music or anything Oh, right. I was going to ask, are there loads of distractions there? But no. there isn't. No, there's nothing. No, you just, you, you, you're there in a dorm with other students, other people that have started the course, and you're given instruction, very basic instruction day to day around like just your meditation practice. And it's all run by volunteers. You're, you're up really early in the morning. You get like the kind of like a, someone goes around with like a gong or this bell thing. And um, yeah, it's 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 intense. Like it is very intense, but it is. It said it's not wishy washy, or it's not. It's not definitely not like a cult or anything like that either. You know, it's it's very practical. There's people from all walks of life that that do it. Um, that's only after when we could actually speak. You know, speaking to older meditators, and there was there was a person there who was a guard. There was another person who was a, you know, a teacher. Another person that was, you know, they're all different walks of life that, that are there and um yeah it's a good very very solid practice i would say but yeah there is there is that side to it as well you kind of because it, it gets bandied around a lot like you know mindfulness and there's a lot of people that fancy themselves a bit of a guru or whatever you know and coming from a good place but you know they might have other motivations for doing it as well <laughs> without naming any names um, no. um do, do you go through almost stages over the course of the 10 days of you know like the the 12 stages of grief or something is it like resistance anger and then acceptance like by day seven of the meditation and the no talking or are you with it from the start are you like okay i'm gonna get something from this did you feel yourself changing mentally towards it no well there's different aspects to it. It's, it's very difficult. There's not, because the mind is such a, a malleable thing, it just changes all the time. It's different for everybody. I mean, there's some people who've done the course are like, worst 10 days of my life. <laughs> and you're like, there's other people that's like, oh, I was like, I was in this Zen state. It's completely different from person to person. And what I found the most important thing that I got from it was, it's not just about the meditation practice that for you yourself, it's about your behavior towards other people as well. So the idea that, um, you know, that you 
from your insight from your meditation that's you know your acts of kindness and being good to other people that's just as much part of it as it is the sitting down and meditating you know because you have these people again as i said that do meditation and they say they're all zen but then they do terrible things to the people so yeah that was the main impact from it that's you know i was kind of like looking around and seeing but my friends and my family and and strangers and other people as well like you try and be kind to other people and just be mindful like maybe not not as quick to anger maybe in certain situations and but it's a continuous thing again it's like it's like jogging or whatever you know you, there's times or doing a sport or something you get out of shape and you know it's not the 10 days just an introduction to it there's no there's no um but for me anyways you know there's no kind of thing at the end of it you're like i found i'm enlightened now i found it's not like it's it's just it's giving you a skill a very practical thing gives you the skill and then from there that you can you can bring that into your your life and you know hopefully uh said so be mindful in your actions and try and you know try and be a good person that's like sounds a bit like daniel o'donnell as far as when i say that out loud sometimes like oh my god what it is it's true like you do the more you do it like you just develop more compassion for people everywhere you know because um everybody is suffering with something and do, do you practice it every day like do you give like half an hour over to it every day it's supposed to do like an hour in the morning an hour in the evening and then do a group sit as well in the week as well where you meet other say meditators like locally but again again same as the jogging it's like you know if you can or with sport you know they kind of recommend you do this but you just do your best I, that's what i try and do i go through phases where i'm not meditating as much as maybe i should and then other times you just do your best there's no there's no kind of thing of like if you don't because then yeah you can you can end up just punishing yourself you know because you didn't do maybe meditate when that's not that's not the goal of the whole thing you're trying to eradicate those types of thoughts kind of defeats purpose so yeah just doing your best with it okay Mary liver uh tell me the story behind it it sounds like uh the concept is uh, quite different to uh what you might expect i suppose this kind of um concept that you have behind it of um i don't know is it ju- is it just the track amulet of love or is it the the full album as a whole that you have this concept behind um, so i am um, found it interesting there was a conversation that i had with somebody i can't remember when i started recording maybe a year and a half ago or something and um, there's kind of like an upsurge in which there is happening at the minute with traditional music irish music and I found it kind of interesting just the whole kind of discourse around it about what is what makes something like traditional and what um what makes something distinctly kind of irish or like tied to a place and although like i really enjoy a lot of irish folk music and a lot of the stuff that's happened and it's amazing some of it is is quite i find it can be quite constricting quite kind of like limited in that it has to be maybe a particular way at least maybe it, that's just how I'm seeing it anyways could be wrong on that but um so I was kind of just thought it was kind of funny it was almost started off as a joke I was like could I make the most like traditional uh, album ever I found it's like funny like some of the songs you know that you have that people are like this is a there's a real Irish song it's a real like authentic song and it'll be about like I don't know 
the Peelers or something from the 19th century or something. And you're like, it's a great song or whatever. It's a great thing. But like some of it is very, um, just the language and everything around it is quite ornate and quite, um, I don't know, it's, it's some of it I'm just like, I, I, I enjoy it and love it, I can relate to but then there's other stuff to it that I'm just, I don't really, uh, doesn't resonate with me or whatever. And, but I was thinking, you know, like most people in history, like I did study a big interest in archaeology and history. And um, I did my BA, they were like, I started off doing archaeology and history. But um, I soon found out after my first year doing it, I was like, I'll stick with the soccer ball in English because the history and archaeology, it was like, just for maybe as a hobby, I was like, oh, I don't know if I could do it maybe as a job or a working thing. It was one of the things when you look into history and these kind of things, like most people are kind of fairly kind of like normal or ordinary, or there's a lot of, um, a lot of kind of that kind of stuff I think is kind of is lost. I think people project certain things onto the past, you know, about kings and these real um, grandiose kind of sentiments, I think, in, in the past and looking at the past, where it's like, I think most people in the past probably went through similar things that we all go through like day to day and you know they're that kind of anxiety around like relationships existential kind of crisis all those types of things and they're the kind of things i tried to kind of weave into it as much as possible yeah it just kind of started and i just i get an idea for something and then i'm kind of like i say right i'll just kind of weave in this and and i was listening to a lot of Welsh language music from uh, Gorky Psychotic Monkey and Super Furry Animals and these kind of bands. And it's like some of the sounds that they could really interesting sounds and things that they had in with Welsh language. So it was really, it's really kind of fresh kind of sound that they had with um, top of like Welsh language. And I thought I uh, was trying to, been trying to improve my Irish over the last year or so. I was like, it'd be cool to try and write some songs, Asquega, and try and have that in, in with some of the maybe the weird kind of sounds or whatever that I was putting into the record as well, and that kind of yeah, kind of fitted in with that. There's also the stuff as well with different stories that I heard, like the passage of time that's happened from say like so, like so New Granges, three thousand two hundred years BC or whatever, so it's like five five thousand years, more than five thousand years old. You know, they found these Roman coins placed in Newgrange around 2,000 years ago. And they, they don't know if it was like Roman Britons that came and made this offering there, if it was Irish people in Roman legions or whatever that put these coins, because they obviously knew it was a very special or sacred place. And um, I thought it was amazing that we're looking back at those Romans 2,000 years ago. But those Romans were looking back on the builders of Newgrange. Another 2,000 years plus 1,000. 200 years more you know um, it's just amazing to think um just that passage of time and everything that's happened and that you know recently we now know that the people of newgrange that they were um they were part of like a dynasty of different different people around the country with dna evidence that they found but that these people that they as far as i know they have no dna relationship with us and it used us in inverted commas, Irish, you know, people are modern, you know, today. So 
they were like different people. So it kind of challenges again that idea of, so I suppose this terrible kind of ethno-nationalist idea that everybody's here and we've always been like saying people moved around all the time. The people that were on this island, you know, we don't necessarily have this lineage that goes back to them. And uh, like maybe our, uh, who knows where we're, we're probably from all, all different parts of the world, but it's, um, yeah, I just found those things really interesting. And then it kind of brought me back to the whole thing with what is a, what is music of, what is Irish music? What's like traditional kind of music? You know, is it these kind of things, these set kind of stories that were already kind of there or can you kind of like take it in different kind of directions or can you explore even with, with using that your language and try to explore like these kind of very, as I say, kind of like day-to-day happenings that maybe happened back at, at that time. I don't know. Again, we don't know because it's all, it's, pre-written history so we don't we, we don't even know that there is a lot i think at the minute with music i think people want to be authentic and they want their sound they want to be the kind of scene as being real authentic and you saw the earth or whatever where it's like kind of go back far enough and a lot of those things you're kind of like well i don't know what is it what does it mean to what does that even mean i don't know i think it's it's what we put the meaning is what we we put on them but i don't think anybody should be kind of saying well you're your kind of interpretation of things is wrong, you know, and that my my thing or my interpretation of this historical event is entirely true, you know. So, but it was it was came from uh, definitely like a place of, I was yeah, just enjoyment and just reading a few these kind of books are around, you know, Bronze Age and Neolithic Ireland and Europe, and I was like, oh, even their idea, the concept of time, the circle. We tend to, this is what they think with some of the stone circles, that we look at things from a, a linear point of view, from the, I suppose, maybe the, the Christian, traditional kind of Christian way or the, the European way, I don't know, of like looking at things that start, middle and end, whereas perhaps like the circle and the spiral was that they, the people that were there, whoever they were, you know, that they envisioned things, everything was cycles, in cycles, and time wasn't necessarily like linear. And that's a really comforting thing because I think we're all like looking at our own mortality and everything. But you know, instead of maybe like looking at things in a straight line, if you're looking at the continuous cycle of in nature of birth and death and rebirth, then you know maybe that maybe not maybe it was just a, a cool design, you know, circle. These are these are big ideas. You're asking big questions. Uh, it's it's a really uh, great album. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to it now with all of these ideas floating around my head and seeing what you've what you've done with it. What about um what are you working on now? Just after coming back from tour, are you thinking about like the next album already? Are you gonna sit and wait a while before before thinking about the next idea? Um, I don't know. Yeah, I haven't really thought about it. I always say after every album, I say like that's it, done. I'm not doing anything. Oh really? But, yeah, yeah. I always say like does as much as i enjoy it does take up a lot of time in a very practical level and you're kind of you know putting things off you know things just on a very basic level spending time with your family and friends and yeah because you have to when you're working full-time which the vast majority vast vast majority of you know music artists in ireland are doing that you know you only have a finite amount of time to to work on these things so you do have to sacrifice a lot of other things so 
you know at the end of it you're just like all right well that's how i am anyways like why well, i'll catch up with people maybe a bit more and uh, and i say oh, i'm not going to do anything for a while and then i'll be watching something on tv or I'll get an idea of something and i'll just start off with one song it's like pulling a thread on a jumper and then you just have to kind of keep going and going and you see where it leads and um it's yeah it's good and i think even just some of the records i look back on i'm like oh could have done this differently or there's like a song there that maybe maybe i should have included or taken out but um at the end of it i you know i always it's just that sense of satisfaction of actually the enjoyment all these things is always the same it's always in the doing of it because you know at the end of it you're just like and it's good and you want people to to know about it and to listen to it because if you're getting that kind of buzz or that enjoyment of it you obviously want to share that with other people but i think the real enjoyment is always with these things is just in the doing of it and spending your time with your friends and as well you know when you get to you know because i'll have like some of the basic stuff recorded and some ideas and then i'll be chatting to James or Connor Adam or Kieran and you kind of saying, okay, I think this is really cool, like bass parts or that Adam will come up with for the record. And very collaborative, like in that sense. So even though my name is on it, it's um, a bit of an imposter, you know, in that sense. I know um, the end, Hey Rusty was kind of saying that uh, the one in your podcast there before. And I, you know, it's definitely a collective effort because I don't think that I, I wouldn't enjoy it the same way if I was doing it all from start to finish on my own, you know, you wouldn't get the same enjoyment from it. Yeah, well, I hope that this isn't uh, your last album. I do hope that you come across uh, some big idea, whether historical or maybe uh, up in space or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I could go back up, up in next... space. Yeah, some people are like, well, what happened with the science fiction stuff? Well, still, if that's just another kind of thread, maybe, I don't know, I'll combine the two. I'll do like an ancient aliens uh, <laughs> album yeah. the next record. Yeah, but anyway, listen, congratulations on Mirror, Mirror Liver anyway, and hope you're proud of it and hope it does uh, well for you. Thanks for being on. Caught in flow like salmon or the trout Fate of free will for I'm not without Amulet, amulet of love Barley growing in the morning sun A reminder that we work as one Amulet, amulet of love The fall of the apple Let the cycle begin From the horse to the fly Think of the heather dancing Weave between thoughts where we lie By the evening we are made to rest For a purpose we have done our best Amulet